Truth Espresso, episode 148. Face it, we all would rather sleep in this morning. <sighs> That's why God gave us espresso to kickstart our zombified corpses into hyperdrive. And now, giving your mind and soul the morning shot of truth it craves. This is Truth Espresso with Daniel Minnick. Hello there, friends, fans, family, and lurkers alike. Welcome to another episode of Truth Espresso, and we are concluding our Thanksgiving series as we talked about our son and his story in the last episode, and this is kind of a part two to that as we will talk about another child that we had, a, a brief story that we have with our child there and how he or she <laughs> has impacted our life and teach us about the brevity of life, the sanctity of life, and how God can bless us with whatever life we get with our children. And then we got some information in store to talk about as the medical industry and how they don't seem to value life as we do and some of the practices there, some developments with that, and some of what we are doing in our lives regarding medical practice, especially my wife and her clinic. Um, And we have a lot to thank God for there. And so I'd like to welcome once again my sweet beautiful wife and co-host. Thank you for co-hosting another episode of Truth Espresso with me, sweetheart. Um, Thanks, babe. I love doing these with you and just talking about how precious life is. It's very sweet. (laughs) Thank you, sweetheart. I always love having you on Truth Espresso with me. So I do have a question for you. Oh, what yeah. does lurkers mean? <laughs> you always say that one and it know. makes you laugh. I, uh, uh, <laughs> basically, I'm thinking of someone who curiously listens to a few episodes, you know, but maybe they're not subscribed. I, I don't know. <laughs> ah, okay, so that's the hint. If you don't want to be considered a lurker, you need to subscribe to Truth Spesso. <laughs> or people doing opposition research (laughs) they've stumbled upon our um our podcast here and they're like maybe they're pro-abortion and they're curiously listening to some of the episodes or you know just anything like that lurking around trying to figure out what are these (laughs) (laughs) what is this couple babbling about and how can we yeah use what they're saying to research and fine-tune our arguments or whatever. Just people who aren't necessarily listening because they want to be blessed by God or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, okay. yeah. And those who haven't subscribed yet. I'll put, I'll put you all in the lump, you all in the same group and call you lurkers. <laughs> okay. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> and so now we want to talk about uh, another store we have and some more in store on this episode. Yeah, trusting God with the lives of our children can definitely be challenging at times. And I just pray that, you know, people listening to this don't feel like, I don't know how to say this exactly, 
I know sometimes it's easy to compare situations and be like, oh, well, my situation was worse or wow, I can't imagine going through that or wow, you know, we prayed, but we still lost our baby girl. And I know a lot of it, it doesn't make sense, like why different outcomes happen. And I think that's the part that makes it hard that we just really have to trust God in the outcome and no matter what the outcome is is that we know that God is in charge and God is going to be there with us in every step of the way. And that really hit home for us. October that we just had here is considered the Pregnancy Loss Awareness Month. And approximately 20% of pregnancies actually end in a miscarriage. And that number is actually going up. Um, I'm not sure. I'll have to look up the new statistics on that. But About 40% of these who have experienced loss felt that they were very alone. It's almost as if talking about miscarriage is a taboo in our society. Having open conversations about miscarriage can actually bring healing to many. I know for us, um, we experienced a miscarriage three years ago now. And going through that loss and grief of losing our little one at that time was definitely challenging in trusting God and knowing that he can still bring good out of that situation. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest part during a miscarriage is, and I know other people who have gone through a miscarriage understand this as well, that you have your heart is just full of love when you find out you're expecting And then suddenly and unexpectedly, it's shattered. But we know that we can rest in the promise from God that our baby, we're not sure if it was a boy or girl, but we just named her Faith. um, Just because her loss has definitely increased our faith. (laughs) But Faith is in heaven waiting for us. And even though we only had a short time with her, We are learning to be thankful for her precious life and how this experience teaches us about our hope in Christ. It was a hard struggle for me at first, just asking why would God bring our son through so much and then let our little faith die so young? I would ask myself things like, did I not love her as much? Did I not have enough faith? But eventually God has been teaching me and continues to teach me that I was asking the wrong question. I need to be thankful for the time that I have with any and all of our precious children and instead ask how God can use our son and how God can use Faith's story to share the love and hope of Christ with others. And I know these last couple of years with COVID going around, it seems like a lot more people have been experiencing loss. And a lot of it has been sudden, unexpected, young people that you would think would be able to fight this infection. And Hmm. it doesn't make sense in our view of it. But I know that it's definitely a place to just remember that we serve a God who is merciful and that we have hope in him. Yeah, that was um, a brief uh, story of our faith who is in heaven. 
And those stories remind us of the important command that God gives us to stand up and protect the lives of these little ones because things happen even if you're pro-life. That doesn't mean we don't experience things like miscarriage, but we're always fighting as much as we can for the lives of, of children that we're able to do and, you know, but then there's other people who intentionally take the lives of children, you know, even if they think they're not convenient and thankful that God gave us um, as parents the goal of fighting for life and especially as our son who's fought for his own life over the years and just think how many parents like, oh, I can't go through this abandon or something like that, you know, just let them pass. <laughs> but, you know, we know he fought for his life and God used us as our parents to you know, fight along with him <laughs> for that. And these children help us to realize that <laughs> it's God's will that children will do what they can for their lives. And it's unfortunate that a lot of adults will then look at children as a nuisance, look at children's lives as disposable, as we mentioned early on, or inconvenient. So when I get to the aspect of life, there have been multiple news stories showing how the battle for life is raging on and only becoming more fierce. Recently, there was an article published in the Denver Post describing that there is an increase in the number of women coming from other states to have abortions in Colorado. Colorado is considered has been called a safe haven for abortion. Obviously, that means they're not safe haven for protecting the lives of children. So other states have more restrictions on abortion, but Colorado doesn't have restrictions on abortion. And so Planned Parenthood is looking at opening new clinics and allowing some of their existing clinics to perform late-term abortions, which are abortions, you know, in the even in the third trimester and up and right up until birth. <laughs> and one of the leading late-term abortionists is a Dr. Warren Hearn. Perhaps you might have heard of him. If not, well, he performs abortions up until the time of delivery in Boulder, Colorado, and. He wrote a book entitled Abortion Procedures that describes different methods for performing late-term abortions and which methods he enjoys the most and gives him what he calls a thrill. He even offers burial ceremonies after the abortion if the mother wants it. And yeah, he's pretty much, you know, if you have a modern day cult of Moloch, you know, like what the Bible talks about, he's it. <laughs> Some states even display signs at the border to welcome out-of-state abortion seekers where abortions are safe and legal. And, you know, we've seen one, especially Colorado, the safe haven for abortion, you know, welcome to Colorado, where abortion is like safe and legal or something right at the state line. <laughs> so, I want to present some important statistics to show our concerns about this. And according to a 2018 article from the Alan Guttmacher Institute, that great bastion of all things caring for children, right? You know, <laughs> they're associated with Planned Parenthood. One in four women have an abortion in the United States. 
And of these women, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, reports that 89% of these abortions occur during the first trimester or within the first 13 weeks of pregnancy. So the most common method of abortion is not the surgical procedure that you might think of that involves sharp tools or using vacuum extractions. They're kind of gruesome there. The most common method for an abortion now is what is called a chemical abortion. So we talked about this in previous episodes of Truth Espresso that uh, we talked about what's called the abortion pill. And we mentioned, so in the year 2000, the FDA approved a prescription for chemical abortions that use the combination of two different medications. This is commonly termed RU-46, also known as the pill or the abortion pill. So, according to the FDA, one-third of first-trimester abortions are done using this abortion pill method, and the rate is increasing. So, why is the use of RU-46, or the abortion pill, increasing? Because it is not surgical, it is more discreet and more easily available. And their efforts to push it include prescribing through video conferencing with a doctor and now over the counter without a prescription. And now even during the COVID pandemic, mail them in, you know, people just order them from a website, get them in the mail and have their abortion at home. So what is the um, RU-46, the abortion pill, and how does it work? Well, the first pill that the woman takes is uh, called mifeprestone. It acts by blocking progesterone from reaching the baby. So progesterone is a natural hormone that's vital to the function of the uterus and to the health and continual development of the baby. So when progesterone is blocked, the uterus shrinks and softens, depriving the baby of nutrients and oxygen. So basically it starves the baby and results in the baby's death. And then the next day or up to two days later, a woman takes the next pill or misoprostol which softens the cervix it basically induces labor it causes the uterus to contract and expel the baby who's dead at this point so formerly the abortion pill used to be capped at the first nine weeks of pregnancy but the fda has more recently allowed it up to 10 weeks but some doctors even prescribe it up to 12 or even more weeks later like up into the second trimester so the abortion pill or ru-46 is not without its complications beyond the intended goal of ending the baby's life. There are health risks to the mother. I know we talked about that even last year sometime as we were doing our initial abortion episode series about things like breast cancer. The FDA reported that 24 deaths from the abortion pill have happened between the years 2000-2019 and 4,200 have experienced life-threatening adverse effects such as severe hemorrhaging and infections from retained pregnancy tissue and even strokes. 
Now, consider for a moment the reason that such effects can be possible or even or likely. This uh, abortion pill clearly attempts to circumvent God's design in nature for the way a mother's body develops and keeps a pregnancy. So taking these pills tells the mother's body to do something it's not prepared or designed to do. It's an abrupt and unnatural way for the woman's body to be forced to go into labor and terminate a pregnancy and expel what the body is designed at this point in pregnancy to house and nourish. So basically it's forcing the mother to have a miscarriage when the body is not intending to do that and there's no reason to do that at this point. Looking for strategies that will help you engage in meaningful conversations with members of the Mormon Church? Well, if so, take a look at Sharing the Good News with Mormons, a new book produced by Harvest House Publishers and edited by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson and Sean McDowell. Sharing the Good News with Mormons includes 24 helpful essays from two dozen Christian apologists, scholars, and pastors. Pick up your copy at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore or order directly from mrm.org. So, sweetheart, you want to talk a little more about what we've been doing, some of your care for women? (laughs) Yes. So, I think that, I mean, kind of what you were talking about at the end there, God's design is for women to love, nourish, and even give of her own life for her children. You hear the term, the mama bear comes out. God made us to want to protect our children, and it goes against how God made us physically, emotionally, and mentally when we take, intentionally take the life of our baby through abortion. And I think that the prevalence of the abortion pill is increasing because of all of the liberty they've allowed through COVID and letting women order this through mail and not even having a physician, which increases the consequences and complications because one of the problems with the RE46 is that depending on how far along the woman is, it can cause more problems, you know, if she's farther along in the pregnancy and sometimes women don't know how far along they are. So usually you need an ultrasound to determine that. And if they're just getting these in mail, they're not getting the first ultrasound. And then they are supposed to get a second ultrasound to make sure the pregnancy did pass through so there isn't the risk for hemorrhaging or infection. So those risks are just increasing. And unfortunately, we're going to see more and more women experience these complications. Now, there's no real statistic to show how many women regret their abortion, especially after taking the RU486. A lot of women tend to take the first pill and then all of a sudden they're like, wait, what did I just do? Hmm. And they regret their decision. And this is where an amazing thing has come out these last 10 years of um, the abortion pill reversal network where women can, if they regret their abortion after taking the RE46, they can call this hotline and they can find a provider in their area that can actually give them progesterone to help combat the effects of RE46. 
and they've had over 2,500 babies born from the reversal now, and over 2,000 of those have been over the last three years. Hmm. It's amazing how this is just really taking off, and unfortunately, there are a lot of battles with this. Google has taken the abortion pill reversal network and has banned them from any and all advertising. Mm. And so there's a huge battle with that. That's a tragedy because then you have women who are like desperately seeking help because they're like, what did I just do? As you mentioned, I've got to fix this. And Google's trying to prevent them from getting what they're seeking. Why? You know, what, what happened to choice there you know even i mean we're saying you don't have choice over taking the life of the child but if there's women choosing life now because of realizing that okay i don't want to do this why would google like want to prevent them from getting the help that they need there yes i was trying to read a little bit more on the apr's website to see what that battle was with google and it sounds like google's trying to say that it's not validated information that they're providing, (laughs) which is interesting because there's quite a few studies about the efficacy and the safety of progesterone in pregnancy to prevent preterm labor and to prevent Mm. women who have had frequent miscarriages to start them on progesterone. (laughs) It's like, okay, isn't this pretty (laughs) much the same thing? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And there are quite a few studies that the doctor who first kind of established a protocol for this he has brought out too so the information is there it is substantiated but of course you know people that are against this and want abortion to flourish they're going to say that there isn't evidence and yeah so unfortunately that does make it more difficult for women to find this out so it makes it even more necessary for us as christians to make this information available. I know that women are still finding out about abortion pill reversals through sidewalk counselors and churches and other people that are just communicating through social media, which I know you have to be careful on social media too, because they tend to flag things as well. (laughs) But yeah, yes. So just being bold and standing up and trying to share as much as we can about this. And that's one thing that we are excited about is the pro-woman, pro-life women's clinic that we started and we've been running it for the last year now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you've even gotten to use an ultrasound on a patient to check her pregnancy and got to help her along with some of that. Yeah, I think it's amazing how God just brings different women to the clinic that we're able to share just hope and how precious life is mm, and how yeah. precious and valuable they are as mm, women. Yeah. And sometimes I think that it's hard not to focus on the exciting stories like, oh, yay, this lady had the abortion pill reversal and she just delivered her baby. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's exciting news. But sometimes we forget that a lot of the stories happen when we're doing an annual exam for a woman or talking to a teenager about her menstrual cycles and having these conversations, establishing a relationship with them even before they get to the circumstance where they find themselves maybe in an unexpected pregnancy. We've already established that relationship with them and we're able to just talk with them about what it looks like 
if they carry the baby, what it looks like if they want to go through the adoption process, what it would look like if they did have an abortion and just go through all the scenarios. And I think that we have more opportunity to hopefully prevent the regrets Mm-hmm. and the pain. Yeah. So, yeah, so we are with your clinic. You are one of those who are able to offer the abortion pill reversal, but also even with the care that you give, even for women who are come to you because they think they're expecting or, you know, even for a, a well women woman checkup, you know, the full spectrum of women's care, you know, <laughs> with life-affirming care and treating them with value, we can even prevent a lot of women even from getting to the point of wanting to have an abortion, you know. (laughs) Yeah, and I know there's quite a few clinics and practices too that offer these services, but one thing that I pray that our clinic can offer women is eventually, and I try to throughout the visits with them, just share the love of Christ and hopefully through that, they will actually accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. So it's just another tool to witness and share the gospel with these women. And ultimately, their eternal life is what matters. And that's my prayer when I get to work with these women is that I can hopefully just be a part of that impact for Jesus that they will seek him and have that eternal life with Jesus eventually. Oh, yeah. Amen, sweetheart. So I hope you enjoyed these two episodes uh, where we shared the story of our, our son and his fight for life against the pressures of the medical industry for us to get an abortion and for our struggles just helping him get everything all fixed out there and now he has a wonderful you know flourishing life there and he's very um, precious to us and you know has a very vibrant personality and and then on the story of our faith child that we miscarried and then as we talked about the medical industries push for abortions and the prevalence of the abortion pill and our life-affirming clinic for women's health and all that we can be thankful to God for in all of this as we seek to affirm life, fight for life, preserve life, take care of life from the mother to the child. And so stay tuned for other episodes of Truth Espresso and God bless. Thank you for waking up with Truth Espresso. Good morning, and God bless your day. Hey friends, Daniel Minnick here again. If you liked waking up to this episode of Truth Espresso, I would really appreciate it if you would rate it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever application you use to listen to Truth Espresso.